1: And welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast Your guide to true crime, horror and everything man on man and macabre I'm Jared, your master of depravity And today we have a special guest It's one of the Patreon supporters Uh, That's a bit of a side plug for the Patreon We have Ned Sayer, uh, one of our wonderful Patreon supporters Welcome to the podcast Thanks Jared, great to be here Yeah, it's very, very exciting If you want to donate to the Patreon It is patreon.com slash sinister sissies I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's We'll, right. we'll double check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll put a thing in the, the description. It'll be fine. Always good to get a listener on to uh, review what is sometimes viewed as one of the most disturbing films ever made. Although, I don't think it, oh, it reaches that title, does it? No,
0: I was really expecting something a lot more disturbing. I sort of braced myself as I was watching. But I was like, oh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, maybe for its time. Maybe I before the think 90s. so, yeah. And especially the context of, you know, AIDS crisis and that sort of thing. I think maybe people were a bit more sensitive to it. But yeah, certainly now in 2019, I didn't feel it was that shocking. Today's episode is
1: on the film Frisk uh, from 1995. It is kind of a drama film, horror, yeah, thriller. A bit of everything. Maybe a thriller. Yeah. Uh, directed by Todd Vero. Uh, and based on the 1991 novel of the same name by Dennis Cooper. He was a ditzy androgynous angel, just like every guy I'd ever fallen for. I got wilder about him altering the sex instead of more tired or bored like you're supposed to. He was moaning, I was about to come when I picked up a bottle without even thinking it hit him over the head. He fell on shit all over my legs and the floor, which made me weirdly furious. I ground the broken bottle into his face, really twisting and shoving it in. Then I just sat there watching him bleed to death. I didn't phone the police or feel guilt or sympathy. I'd killing a boy. For so long,
2: all the truth did was fill in details. I never felt less than amazed and relieved about the whole thing.
1: In brief, the film is a first-person narrative about an apparent gay serial killer named Dennis. Uh, We follow Dennis's life as he describes the disturbing, controversial and violent exploits as he pursues various victims. I'll leave that there so I don't get too spoilery, but right off the bat, what did you think
0: of Frisk? Overall, I did like it. I felt that it could have gone so much more. I think like it was almost like... Like violence-wise sh- or a yeah, story-wise? A bit of both, actually. Yeah, yeah, I felt that there was a lot of really interesting themes that were that explored. Um, the character development could have gone a bit further. I mean, I think at the time it was quite, quite good, but um, I did get the sense that... Because I knew that there was sort of a book that the movie was based on. I get the sense that the book sort of had a lot more of the story. I mean, it just mm. felt that it was really, I guess, sort of uneven and a bit patchy in parts. It's kind of, say. it's very much like a, like a 90s indie
1: film. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And uh, Todd Vero, uh, who's the director, um, and I suppose screenplay writer, not the actual writer of the novel, of course, but screenplay writer, um, he started off uh, doing camera work for, uh, I believe, Greg Araki, who is another very famous indie queer filmmaker. So I imagine he's picked up that style, that very, like, artsy, early 90s queer aesthetic. Mm, Yeah, that's right. Um, I thought it was pretty good as well. I think there is a lot of issues with this film that uh, when we get into the plot, I'll probably pick up. The acting isn't the best. (laughs) No, the acting is a bit... um, There's one character that I think is good.
0: Who's that? It's
1: pathetic one.
0: Yeah, that is... Henry? Henry. Yes.
1: Yes. I thought that that, that actor was good. I was, All of the other actors are a bit shit.
0: Totally agree. I was far more convinced by Henry than I was mm-hmm. by other ones. I genuinely felt sympathy and empathy towards him. And I sort of um, really, I guess, sort of understood and felt what he was going through. Whereas the other characters, I wasn't really as taken by. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, the, very choppy acting. And a lot of the... I was looking at the IMDb for this. And a lot of the people that acted in this continued on in the film industry but they continued on kind of as a screenwriter and things like that not as an actor it has a very nihilistic tone mm. uh which in uh paul and i were discussing dead europe last week i was talking about the fact that um um christos chokas i was arguing that he couldn't really pull off a nihilistic tone this film pulls off nihilism, yes, at least totally. in my mind mm. it, it, Um, takes a very non-judgmental approach to Dennis, our current serial killer, and his exploits.
2: I didn't understand what was happening in the pictures at first. Then I realised that he was dead and not laughing or yelling. It was like someone had set off a bomb inside of him.
1: If you can find this film, I do recommend that you you, uh, look at it. Legally, it might be uh, quite tricky. I think it is still banned
0: in Australia.
1: It was at one point banned in Australia, and it's still banned in the UK. Mm. Um, it doesn't deserve that ban. There's nothing no. to Unless Unless we watched like a cut version and something major got cut out, which I don't think we did. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, it deserves to be a ban. <laughs> Certainly for. not. Um, so if you can get access to it, uh, I, I would recommend having a look at that. But for those of you who aren't keen at, at watching the film but just like to listen to me describe the plot, I don't know why people enjoy that, but people do. Uh, So the film opens with Dennis, our apparent serial killer, writing a letter to his friend Julian and Julian's younger brother, Kevin. Now, this uh, brother duo of Julian and Kevin are a bit weird. Um,
0: Quasi-incestuous, maybe? Yeah, certainly towards the end of the film where you sort of that comes out a bit more but yeah it was it's a very strange dynamic there's a bit of brotherly love
1: happening potentially it's very much hinted that that's what's going on um in this letter dennis is describing what seems to be his his first murder um and julian and kevin are reading this letter and kind of in disbelief and don't think that he um they they think he's full of shit basically uh dennis uh begins speaking about how he discovered his um, fantasy to do with sadomasochism. Um, He talks about that he discovered it at a young age, at about the age of 13, when a local bookstore owner allowed him to look at explicit porn um, in terms of photographs. Um, Gradually, the photographs that he was looking at got more and more explicit, more and more S&M in nature. And at one point, um, Dennis is uh, shown what appears to be a, a snuff image of a boy with a plastic bag over his head. And this image is stuck in Dennis's mind, even, even since that, that young age, um, as being something that he really wants to pursue. And this is the beginning of his kind of sadistic mm. fantasy. Fun fact, young Dennis is played by a guy named Marcus Ewart, and even though he's meant to be playing like a 13 year old or 15 year old in those flashbacks, he at this time was the final lover of William Burroughs, with William Burroughs within his like 70s or something. Wow. Yeah, that was his lover. And he was also a lover of uh, Allen Ginsberg.
0: They liked him young. There you go. Yeah. Very young. Right. Dennis,
2: how old are you? 18. No, I mean really.
1: I don't know. 15. We then cut back to the present, and this is when we're introduced to Henry. Uh, Henry is our very pathetic and masochistic character in the film. Um, we were saying earlier that we, we thought he was well-acted. Uh, unfortunately, it's because I
0: feel like I've met a Henry before. I, I think so. It's It was really... He is quite a... Pathetic character, I don't mean that pejoratively, but you did feel for him because it's almost like he didn't have enough love growing up. So every single time he would hook up with someone, it was like, you know, how could I be better? Did you like me? Yeah, he, this... he
1: would finish every hookup with, if you could change one thing about me, what would it be?
0: Yeah, this constant yearning for validation and yeah, just really felt felt sorry for him because it's, yeah. And he seems... Sweet to re well, he seems sweet. I was going to say something more pejorative. I was like, <laughs> I was going to say he
1: seems realistically pathetic. He, he yeah. does seem like someone who is wanting connection, like the, the, those people that are that constantly um view themselves as not living up to enough, mm. um, and wanting that external validation was very, I don't know, I thought that was a very well crafted character, yeah, despite was. a whole bunch of cardboard cut out, weird hot men. Henry was the most well-developed. <laughs> I think he felt like the most real yeah. character yeah. Out, of, out, of, out of the entire cast. So we meet Henry. Um, he hooks up with a guy. Every time two guys hook up in this this movie, without any context, there's always some like blood involved. Mm. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. It was really... Like, it would just cut and there would be glass and blood. Yeah, and it's, it's as if, like, just fucking involved cutting each other yeah especially way back then where... yeah so this wasn't yeah. even set up as being like an snm that's right it's just like meant to be like a regular it, of course yeah. yeah and he's just covered in blood mm. which is weird julian meets henry at this party and he gives uh sorry and he gets henry's number um we then cut to a scene of uh julian and dennis hooking up um this is where we get this incestuous vibe because uh, Julian and Dennis are hooking up and Julian is describing his brother, Kevin. He's describing a conversation he had with his brother where he asked, would you think I was sexy to his brother? And again, this, this tone, this weird incestuous mm. tone just kind of sits over the top of these conversations. Yeah,
0: and it sort of came out of nowhere as well in terms of we're not really... It's not clear how and why this sort of happened, but it's just bang, in your face.
1: yeah. A bit of incest um, Yeah A little season on top mm. A little incest season uh, We then A little bit later See Julian and Dennis um, Hooking up with Henry um, During this We get the more Artsy part of the film Where Dennis Starts going on rants About Skin And how skin mm. Acts as a barrier To knowing someone Yeah yep. And then he starts Talking about like Odours And how they would Rate different odours
2: Now this is the part That always fucks me over I wanted him, specifically his skin, because that's the only thing available. But I've had enough sex with enough guys to recognize how little skin can explain about anyone. So I get into this rage about how stingy skin is. I mean, skin's biggest reward, sperm, is only great because it's a message from somewhere inside. I was pretty sure that if we were able to tear him open, you would know him as well as anyone could. Remember how we used to rank body odors? Asshole. Profound. Crutch. Overrated. Hands. Underrated. Feet. Nice. Mouth. Profound. Hair. Underrated. Armpits. Too blatant.
1: At this point, after they hook up, Dennis realizes that Henry was actually the dead boy that he saw in the photographs as a teen. Uh, Henry said, yeah, he used to do those photographs just kind of casually. And then they arranged to meet up at a later date. Uh, Julian leaves for Paris. Uh, Henry and Dennis hook up, but Dennis doesn't find it very satisfying. After Julian leaves, uh, Dennis uh, develops a curiosity about Kevin and uh, begins to have a relationship with Kevin. Again, describing this incestuous relationship between Kevin and Julian, but they start a relationship together.
0: Yeah, And it's almost as if Dennis was, I guess, upset, shitty that Julian left him. So it, to me, it felt like he was... Getting fucking, back at him. Yeah, fucking Kevin, just to get back at him. Ah. But... um. It, I got the sense that Dennis felt abandoned, which is why he went for Kevin, because, and number Kevin's the hotter one.
2: If I had to describe Kevin in one word, I would say hysterical, insecure, freaked out, and very, very young.
1: Eventually, Dennis also leaves the area and goes to San Francisco. Once in San Francisco, Dennis begins hooking up with a porn star named Horace um he hires him as as an escort he has very frank discussions with horace about wanting to kill him and horace doesn't seem too worried by it or doesn't take it too seriously um there is a bit of a sexy scene though where like dennis asks horace to spit in his mouth Mm. this is very graphic little sexual bit um also, they have a kind of call me by your name thing where uh, Horace goes to the bathroom and Dennis says,
0: whatever you do in there, don't flush. Yeah, that was a bit. Yeah, it didn't really seem in context for the film.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. We learn a bit more about Horace. He has a girlfriend, but is working as an escort. Um, we follow him in his day-to-day activities. He uh, meets this, what is ostensibly meant to be this like family man mm. in glasses, um, yeah. but it's played by like a 22-year-old actor.
0: Yeah, who was very clearly dressed up in his dad's yeah dad suits. Yeah. I
1: don't think that was on purpose. It's probably just whoever they could get. Yeah, that that's right. <laughs> Dennis. Uh, Midway through one of their hookup sessions says um, that he read about what happened to Henry in the news. And this is where we hear um, that Henry is actually dead. Mm. Um, We flashback to Henry um, hooking up with a Dom um, who is known for kind of beating the shit out of his his subs. Um, In his dungeon, uh, the Dom says something like... um, I usually uh, have these urges to kill people, but something always stops me, Um, but it's not there with you. Mm. Um, And then this dog ends up stabbing Henry to death. Very graphically. Very graphically. And I thought that was an interesting little Mm. turn. It It was. Introduce this pathetic, you know, sympathetic character. I should stop saying pathetic, that's a bit man. Yeah. Sympathetic character. uh, And then to kill him off in this really um, brutal way. Dennis doesn't seem that phased by this, um, he just hears about it, and all he seems to uh, worry about is that he didn't have a chance to kill um, to
0: kill Henry or explore those fantasies further. Yeah, if anything, that was his, the most, yeah, the thing he was most upset about was that, oh, it wasn't me that actually pushed the knife in. Dennis continues
1: to describe his fantasies, um, that he wants to kill someone, and he wants to fulfil those fantasies that he saw in those photographs when he was younger, he hooks up with this, this skinhead guy and smashes a bottle over his head. Um, he hooks up with this kind of blonde twink named Finn and drops candle wax on him. Um, but again, it's unclear that he actually goes through and, and, and actually kills him. Um, meanwhile, as he's exploring these, these fantasies, or describing these fantasies, he's writing them in a letter to Horace. And, Horace and um, Horace's girlfriend start talking about the fact that, well, if this guy ends up actually killing someone, we can make some money from that. Finally, we get the first implication that Dennis actually kills someone. He hires a guy, a straight guy, and says, I'll pay you a certain amount of money to lick your ass or something Mm. like that. Uh, And the voiceover describes strangling this man to death although we do not see it on screen.
0: That's right, and that's, this is sort of part of the mo- like part of the, this issue with this film is where we don't really know what's actually happening in real life, what's happening in the flashback, what's happening in the fantasy. It is really
2: unclear. I felt like it's over. I know what I need to know and all this other pretentious stuff. I felt so clean and asexual. But every answer just starts another question brewing, or something.
1: Side weird, very 90s tangent, Um, we also have this point where Horace returns home, uh, back to his girlfriend, and he looks troubled, goes into the bathroom, and then the TV, um, the presenter on the TV starts talking about the fact that Horace has been exposed to HIV or potentially he has been exposed to HIV mm. um, and then Horace takes a shower. I don't know. It's all very, like... I, I thought they, they did that scene and then Horace, in, in reference to Dennis's letters, starts talking. He says, um, I'm so sick of this sexy death shit, which I don't <laughs> know if that was, like, an ironic
0: joke about the film talking about the sexy death shit or... Yeah, I... I thought it was maybe a broader social commentary mm. um mainly about sort of the age scare of the late 80s/ slash early 90s but yeah it's that's how I sort of read that um but it does it
1: in a kind of jokey way though yeah it does yeah which which makes me think that like he was almost because like every gay film in the early 90s. Had to throw in like a HIV. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Storyline. And I think it's kind of making fun of it a little bit. True. Yeah, that's right. The the only reason I think it's meant to be a bit joking is that we have Horace and the girlfriend that are having a conversation and then he says the line about sexy death shit and then it just halts and they stare at each other for like 20 or 30 seconds. Or maybe it's not that long.
0: It felt like a long
1: time. It was, it was odd. Yeah. And I don't know if that was meant to be funny or whether that was just bad filmmaking. It's probably the latter. Oh, probably. Yeah. (laughs) After his first big kill, for some reason, Dennis then says that he didn't get much satisfaction from it and he needs accomplices slash witnesses. Now, this is another thing where I think it's meant to be a bit funny. Mm. Like, I don't think we're supposed to take this too seriously because Dennis apparently just meets this sadist couple.
0: Yeah, that was an issue I had in terms of this couple just appeared out of nowhere, but they very conveniently have the exact same fetishes, desires, interests as Dents, which is pretty random in and of itself. Well, you get the Um, impression that he just put in like a classified ad for serial killers. Yeah. And
1: they were just like, ah. And then this couple just comes in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One of which is, is played by, is it Posey Parker? Yeah. Eddie and Jared here, I fucked up. It's actually Parker Posey. I think Posey Parker is some sort of, like, right-wing commentator. Anyway, whoopsie, Parker Posey. Yeah, um, who I don't... I know she's big, and I've definitely seen her in things, but I don't know what she's most well-known for. I couldn't, yeah, pick her in something specific. but yeah. She's a side character. I know she's yeah. in, in Scream 3. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go, that's yeah. all I know her <laughs> from. Anyway, quite a big-name act- actress in a, mm. you know, weird indie gay film. The man and woman talk about the fact that... Um, Uh, Dennis hasn't disposed of the body yet, and so they want to go see it at his apartment. Uh, Dennis, this is very important, Dennis says that the body is in the attic. Um, And then they talk about the fact that that's a really bad idea, and they say that they're going to help him out disposing the body that's in the attic. Uh, After that, they kind of have a a bit of a a thruple... um, Is that the word for it? Thruple? Mm. Three? Couple? Thruple? Thruple? Double,
0: Double, team. People. They yeah, become. Team. They
1: join forces, uh, and they uh, bring back a um, a dependent guy, played by a pre-transition Alexis Arquette. Um, the the drug addicted guy um, notices that there's three of them and starts starts freaking out a bit and says that he needs to get um, need some drugs to get a bit more strong out. Uh, and again, weird, absurd scene where the couple are kind of torturing and playing with this guy. Yeah,
0: I think that was is probably one of the more unsettling parts of the film. Where yeah. it, it really, um, yeah, it sort of give him the drugs, slash inject him with the drugs, and then yeah, they really sort of play with him like he's a rag doll. It's very unsettling. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hi. Hey, baby.
2: He's... Ah! Ah! Oh. <laughs> He's awakening!
0: Oh my God! Let's oh go now. No, you don't. Oh, you don't! Oh, na 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 na! Come on, la, right. Come on. Just, I Come on, I don't want, I don't want, to, I gotta
1: I gotta go. What's the matter? Very and I suppose this is playing with that sadistic desire Mm. and it's like this is what this is and so the the tone shifts a little bit it gets darker and it particularly starts getting awful when dennis throws him down and starts um stuffing cash into his ass and starts fucking his ass with cash and then throwing the cash in his mouth like Mm. it's very graphic I think that might be the scene. Yeah. That might be the limit for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it was it was sexually graphic. I think they show everything.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, like, it's quite a sexually graphic scene. Um, and he's being horribly raped. They then um, string him up and cut him. Yeah, no, you're
0: right. We don't see him being killed. I think we see him slightly cut up and then he's taken down. That's right. And then it's a bit up in the air so what happened to them
1: yeah and so then it's it's yeah it, it's open-ended mm-hmm. although we do see more with this kill than we did the previous one yeah yep. we then have a scene where the the triple uh i'm gonna stop saying that because i can't say that <laughs> probably. <laughs> where the three of them um capture what is viewed as a young boy played by the actor who plays young Dennis. Ah, oh, there you go. I only noticed that on a, on a rewatch, wow. um, and he because he talks about that um, he's he's so young and that he really wants to open him up to understand him. Yeah. yeah. Uh so that kind of had some different layers when I rewatched it and realized it was the same actor. Um, this seemingly new character played by the same actor um, is tied up. He's essentially put in like a Wears Wally looking mask thing. Um, yeah. They talk about his age, um, and then there, again there are descriptions of the violence, but we don't see clearly him being killed. Although mm. there is a because so they're filming him on a camera, yeah, there are like flashes of images
0: of different things, but we never quite see. That's right. It's very blurry. It's hard to make out. It's yeah. It's almost like you're on an Android phone. Um, and, but there
1: is a, there is a single screen, did you notice that? the mm. single screen slice of the three of them standing covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: we assume that. Yes. They've, uh. That they've killed him. They've killed
1: and him. And that this is someone that exists. We then cut to Julian and Kevin coming back, uh, to their hometown on the train, um, and Julian gets some random guy's number just approaching him on the train. That's yep. never happened to me. Has that ever happened to you? No. No. It's, it's found, it sounds, seemed very convenient. Yeah, I was like, this is be a great thing that happened. Um, it's like when you see in these like high school films where it's, like all the young gay guys are like, having sex with lots of people. I was like, I wasn't having sex with anyone in fucking <laughs> high school. Anyway. Uh, they meet back up with Dennis, Again, despite the fact that they've read this letter from Dennis describing graphic murders, they're not that troubled by him. Um, they go check out Dennis's apartment, um, and this is where we get first the first indications that Dennis's letters might have been a bit of a lie. Um, Julian, I believe, asks, "Where's the attic?" And uh, Dennis replies, "Well, I did embellish things a little bit," which. Is interesting. Um uh Kevin randomly decides to take a nap. Mm. Um, but then whilst he's napping, sees the ghost of the final victim slash young Dennis. Yes. Who has this conversation with him, um, that says things like, It's like Dennis was on the quest on this quest or something. Um, But the only people who found something Were the guys who hooked up with him Dennis respected my fantasies He had some pretty weird ones himself
0: It's like Dennis was on this quest or something A really stupid one He wanted to kill people to get answers But it's like The only ones getting answered Were all those guys stupid enough to go home with him I assure you I'm
1: a morning now, now that I'm dead. Uh, Kevin then wakes up with his brother and Dennis on either side of him, and I was like, is going to go." And he's some... lost his
0: shirt. Yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. It's a, everything has a bit yeah. of a sexy um, subtext to it. Well, not subtext, it's text. Text, just text. text. Um, uh, Julian then decides to hook up with the young guy in the train with Dennis, and then poor Kevin has to, like, wait outside whilst they have sex with him. Um... During this, like, threesome that um, Julian and Dennis have, Julian's kind of goading him on that, like, yeah, you should kill him, like, in your letters. Dennis doesn't do anything. Um, we then get a point where Kevin is jealous of his brother and says, you've had plenty of time with Dennis. I need to be alone with Dennis. Mm, And he tells Julian just to fuck off. And that's when it's my time now. Yeah. Um... And then the final, well, the, the ending of the formal part of the film uh, is we see Kevin getting tied up uh, just like the snuff photographs that we saw at the start, um, getting tied up uh, with uh, arms behind his back and the plastic bag over his head, and Dennis begins taking photographs. Um, there's a point where Kevin's arms get untied and he's not moving for a long period of time, and you're like, oh shit. That he's dead, and then his leg moves slightly. That's right, and then it and then it's left ambiguous,
0: and it's just yep. Dennis taking photographs. That's right, and then you see the backdrop and this flash of photography, and you actually still have no idea what's actually happened, which was a good ending. Which was a great ending, until I watched this for I think maybe the fourth time that I've
1: ever watched this, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if there was an after credits scene? So, Fucking after credit scene. Do not watch the after credit <laughs> scene. It ruins the movie. It does. Uh, in which Kevin gets up and kisses
0: Dennis at the end, and it's all fine. They all live happily ever after. Why is that in the movie? That's terrible. It's, it's awful. Yeah, yeah. It, it's out of doesn't suit at all. Because okay, so I think if we, if we ignore that after credit
1: scene, I think the end of the movie is. Deliberately ambiguous, like American Psycho, is mm. exactly what we were talking about. In that, is this all a fantasy? Mm. Um,
0: is this all made up, or did this really happen? Uh, that's an interesting dynamic to play with. I guess sort of what really made it appealing was that you generally don't know what happened, mm. and you got this sense that if Dennis was to kill Kevin, that would almost be the perfect ending because you that you could almost argue that's what Kevin wanted because he was so fascinated with what was going on. Mm. And that'd be brilliant, but now it's, it just seems so convenient. I think if you like the
1: early 90s queer core movement, which is a very niche uh, film movement that I'm hoping to cover more of here, so um, things like The Living End is a big one, Uh, Totally Fucked Up by Greg Araki, Araki, do you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't No. Anything by Bruce Bruce, Bruce right, Bruce is yeah. Begin the Scene as well. Um, they all have the, this kind of again, post AIDS view of sexuality, which is I always find really refreshing because it's never um like these days, our view of sexuality and it's not I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it's all very like cheery and nice and there's no conflict and everything works out fine and mm-hmm. there's no struggle and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which is maybe simplifying things a little bit too much on the positive side, as opposed to a lot of the queer core movement. They were very pro their sexuality, but they viewed their sexuality as like deeply flawed or having these complex elements to it, which is why I think this film is kind of about him being burdened by Mm. his own desires. It
0: was never straightforward to be gay.
1: No, no. Um... But, like, it's more interesting. Mm. All these films all, always kind of just say, like, well, we're better than heterosexuals because we're more interesting. But interesting but complex. That's
0: right. Yeah. Mm.
1: Thank you to Ned for joining me. Uh, I'd like to do a call-out for people to support the show on Patreon. You can support the Cinecities podcast for as little as $3 per month, uh, and it really helps ensure that this show continues on, and uh, I can spend a lot more time producing it. You can follow Cinecities on Twitter and Facebook at Cinecities. You can follow my personal account at Jared Bartle. That's jared with a y uh yeah have a look at the patreon to see if it's something that you're interested in there are already some perks up there and i am open to suggestions also give the podcast a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts that helps out the show tremendously until next time stay sinister